Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Kurt, another week of PBT Extra. I know you were there in Salt Lake City. How was the All-Star weekend? It was good. As I mean, we'll get into the games and the ups and downs of the whole thing. But, like, as a as a city, A, Salt Lake can handle it. Like, Salt Lake, some cities, you know, bigger cities handle it. Salt Lake's, I mean, they've done Olympics, right? Like, they've got, they've had Final Four. So like, they've done these big things before. So, the city handled it really well. It was a good experience. It wasn't really wasn't really cold as as cold as it could have been in the Rockies in, in February. So it was all good. And by the way, went to a place called Amepas that is a Venezuelan arepa place. That was like the best food I had all weekend. And it's kind of wild now how you think about, we'll call it ethnic food, like foods from other countries and other, and other cultures, just kind of, you can find really good stuff almost anywhere now. Like I don't think Salt Lake is this hot Venezuelan place. And yet like the best food I had all weekend. Fantastic. You know, it's funny because you, you were you're mentioning that some people maybe maybe not be into, okay, well, All-Star Weekend in Salt Lake City. Yeah. Do I want to go? It's funny because for me, I'm like, Ski Town in February doesn't yeah. sound like a bad option considering, you know, <laughs> Chicago, Cleveland. Like the past couple of years have been some pretty rough spots in February. I don't know if you've been to Chicago in February. I, yeah, I, I, I bet. <laughs> I was at the All-Star Game in Chicago in February. It was yes, a bad yes, chili. that's right. Of course. But I'm telling you, like, that, that is not the, the no. top of my yeah. list. But like the ski town, get the altitude, see the mountains, like that, that was not strike me it, as you know unpleasant. There, it was busy at the airports, not just because of the influx of people from the All Star Game, but it's a three day you know Presidents Day weekend. It is the busiest ski weekend of the entire year. So mm-hmm. like it's like the number of I was the only person in line not checking a bag a bag of skis. Like I was actually having to you know I got to take suits and stuff, so I got clothes. <laughs> everybody else is just checking skis so it was a no you know what as a city it went really well but we should get into it Corey. uh as basketball especially the main all-star game wait there was a game yeah it was kind of hard to watch Corey. yeah i hope you, i hope you did you spare yourself and not watch it the actual all-star game yeah i mean there's highlights there's lebron dunked to himself and and you know, um, I thought Burner Boy was great at halftime. <laughs> like, like there was highlights out of this thing. Burner Boy was great at halftime. But I mean, I've Jason never, Tatum I've never heard anyone, other than Red Panda. Remember, remember, like I remember the college yeah. basketball. Like that, that's kind of like the one really big highlight of halftime in in my basketball life. It's like, man, oh, Red, Red Panda, Panda was so stopping. You know, so, so I'm saying, so it's kind of like it's funny how you would like. Yeah, LeBron dunked it off, you know, to himself, threw it to himself, dunked it. And, oh, and Burner Boy was playing at halftime. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, Tatum dropped, I mean, you got highlights. You got Tatum putting up 55. But, I mean, you, did you watch the game? It was if you love bad for even this. Bad yeah, for even All-Star. So hard. You know, I was watching it, and it got to the point where it was unwatchable. And it was not, you know, yeah. like halfway through the first quarter. It got to the point where I was just like, I love basketball too much to watch this. This is painful. I mean, it was, it was, it was like painful for me, Kurt. I, I could not watch it. And so that was that was hard. I do I do agree with you. I think you know, like when you think about high school like highlights and and uh, how big those are, and they've been you know for the past at least since I've you know been growing up. Yeah. Um, I do think the All Star Game lends itself to that clearly because there's no defense and no like basketball. Like there's no basketball. It's just people dunking it in alley oops. So I think in that sense, it looks it's probably much it's probably a much better watch on social media or on YouTube, like highlights of the All-Star game. Yeah. Probably it's very exciting, but when you're watching it live, it's like, it is one of the, uh, yeah, it's, it was probably yeah. the word I would use is uh, excruciatingly painful. Yeah. The, the, the only stretch of actual basketball was, I think it was late in the third. There was a stretch where 
Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who are on opposite sides, just went at each other like it's you know, like they do in practice all the time. And that was kind of entertaining, like because they were defending each other. They were sizing it up. But everybody else was just, you know, it, it was like one, four flats. Everybody's just going back to the baseline and watching this go on. Um, aside that, yeah, it's just highlights. And it's it, J, Tatum was honest afterwards, talking about setting the record and the lack of defense. And he's just like, nobody wants to get hurt. And which was kind of the Pro Bowl issue with the NFL, right? Like it's yeah. everybody's trying to avoid injury. Nobody's going to stand in and take a charge. Nobody's going to get in the way. So it's just dunks or three or wide open threes. And it's it's not. You're right. It's just not compelling. It's not compelling television, like as a as an event. No, yeah. So I, I personally, you know, it's yeah, it's hard to watch. I, I think um, this is my take. You know. I, it's very unpopular, so be it, whatever. I think there should be like an NBA con or like an NFL con. I think the NFL is in the exact same boat with the Pro Bowl games. Like yeah. they even like made it into a Pro Bowl games kind of scenario. Yeah. And, and, you know, you look at All-Star Weekend, you know, you go every year. I grew up going to All-Star. I've been in a couple of years. Uh, but, you know, I've been to plenty of All-Star games. And what you realize is that there's all these cottage industries around the All-Star weekend. Like there's oh, yeah. there are more events than you could name. Right. All different yeah. like venues all over town, different panels, different like sneaker pop ups, different like sales events, concerts all over the place. Like it is. Right. You know, it's like a it's like a convention. So my, my whole thing is just call it what it is. Just make it, you know, like Comic Con, like have a, one big destination, San Diego Comic Con, and then have everything there erase the risk of injury, have GMs and coaches do panels with players and stuff and bring in the legends to talk about the dream team and talk about, you know, what it was like yeah. playing against, you know, the, the big rivalries of the seventies and eighties and all that jazz. And just like, you know, have people, um, like have those interactive events with like 2k and like have a 2k tournament, like make it, make it like an actual, like, like comic con. That's, that's my yeah. take. I think that'd be much more successful. I think the hard part would be getting NBA players to want to go uh, but I think now we're also kind of seeing the same thing where it's like, I mean, if you're going to go and put that on television, you know, the game that we saw, like, I don't think that's helping the, the case either for the like for the NBA. No, I think actually this you could just do the Saturday because I think the Saturday All-Star Saturday was is still I, mean, I know ratings were down this year, but it's still a relatively successful event. The skills challenge is whatever. Uh, but your guy, you called Damian Lillard. Uh, who, by the way, not only won the three-point contest the next night, but then the third quarter of, of that game when Jason Tatum really started to put up numbers and the real game literally just became a wide-open three-point shooting contest. Like Mitchell's ne- knocking him down. Tatum's knocking him down. Everybody's knocking down threes. And Damian Lillard like, like gets to the end of the quarter. He just looks at somebody. He's like, basically like, hold my beer, takes, the, <laughs> takes it, and just drains a half quarter. Just dribble up, stop at half court, knocks it down, and it's like, all right, top that. It was great. He was fun. Uh, him winning the three-point contest was fun. And obviously, the Mac McClung was a lot yeah, of fun. The, the dunk contest was a lot of fun this year, partially, too, because I feel bad. Trey Murphy would have won this thing most years. Trey Murphy threw a few really nice ones down. But this is the one place in basketball where being shorter helps. Like, it just if you're 6'1 or 6'2 and can dunk like that, it's it's more impressive. Um did you, I, did you catch that? Did you catch the highlights? What did you think? Yeah, you know, I, I thought that it was a very good um, harkening back to history. Because you have to understand, like, with dunks, dunks are dunks, right? Like, this is one yeah. thing that that is tough, I think, for the people growing up in, like, the 2010s when they see all these prop dunks. Like, to me, that's not interesting. You know, I, I think there has it has to be grounded in history, right? That's yeah. what makes, like – you know, like the the free throw line dunk has been done a million times by like all the biggest names in basketball. You know, so like it, that's that's why it's impressive because Dr. J did it, Michael Jordan did it. You know, like everyone does this dunk, right? So like you have your own twist to to the past, and I think that's what Mac McClung did very well. He brought in some of the dunks that like we saw Victor Oladipo do, for instance, or Jason Richardson yeah. do. Like we've seen some of these dunks before, uh, Glenn Robinson do. We, we've seen some of these dunks in the past. And now uh, we're seeing it like breathe new life. Uh, and, and I thought that was really cool because it was his own little tweak to them. And then, of yeah. course, like, you know, putting on the jersey, all that stuff. Like we, we like these are these are like classic tropes in dunk uh, slam dunk contest yeah. history. 
and uh, but it's like re reinvigorated for for this generation. So I love that. I do think that the dunk contest, they're very generous with 50s. So an all 50 dunk <laughs> yeah. doesn't really mean anything to me. But those dunks were exceptional. You have to do it the first time. You have to have power, height, verticality. You know, there has to be this level of aggression, uh, speed. And he had everything. I mean, those are really good dunks, man. Yeah, I got to say, the the first dunk he did, like, and it was, the crowd was a little primed by, I thought the, the first dunk by Trey Murphy, where he he kind of faked like he was going to go up. Then Jose Alvarado comes from behind him, it's teammate, and steals it. And I'm like, all right, that was pretty clever. All right, and off the backboard, and I'm like, all right, pretty good. When McClung throws down the first dunk over somebody, and, and you've been there, and you can kind of see it on the broadcast. All the players are on one side of the court. They're kind of yeah. all in one area, right? Like, and Giannis is there, and and Jordan Clarkson, and and all the players are just bunched up. He throws down that first one, and they swarm out onto the court, and the whole crowd is like stunned and going nuts. And like he had the building at that point, and yeah. it's fun to watch that live because everybody likes to declare the slam dunk contest dead and then saved. Or where to me, it's more like <laughs> more like revived, right? Like it just every few years somebody comes through and revives the thing. And Matt McClung revived it this year. He'll probably come back. Um, he can, this is good for his brand. He'll probably be back uh, for a year or two. Um, and he revives it for a while, and then it'll dip, and then it'll come back up. But we'll we'll see if well, this yeah. – Well, I think, I think the biggest thing for me the, – the, so when you look at the old school dunk contest, you know, just as important as the dunks are the, are the reactions from the players, not necessarily yeah. the fans. But the player reaction, like seeing Shaq with his camcorder going, whoa, you know, like yeah. like seeing Gabrielle Union go, you know, like like that that whole like that is the that is the the crux of like what it is, right? When you think about the All Star Weekend, like you're hearkening back to you know the most beautiful things about childhood basketball, and one of them is going into a gym and a high school gym that's small and overcrowded and it's like really hot, you know, and like the AC doesn't work. And then, you know, it's packed. People are yeah. on the court and then someone throws down a crazy dunk and everyone's going crazy. And people are like, yeah. you know, like that, that element is the dunk contest. So when the players get excited like that, to me, that is what revived the dunk contest. Uh, yeah, that exactly. was wonderful to see. And by the way, as, as our producer, Dan pointed out, everybody's going nuts. Everybody's filming with their phone, except Pascal Siakam has your dad's camcorder out there. Like, I don't know where he got that. Yeah, he had an old school camcorder. I saw that and I was like, this is like, everything's so you know vintage, you know, like, yeah. whatever. It's retro. Like we got rid of those for a reason. They didn't work. Yeah, they weren't that good. I've got, I had to get those tapes I had turned into video. Lady By the way, yeah. this kind of ties, Matt, Mac McClellan kind of ties into uh, part of Corey's shoot box because you had a song from you. Part of Corey's jukebox this week is is Mac McClung Tide. Yes, I did. I did have a song. Uh, so I wanted to go since it's Utah and since I'm from Texas as well. I wanted, and we don't really feature a lot of country. I think the last time we had country music on Corey's jukebox was George Strait, and we of course had to start with the King, uh, and he's from you know he lives in San Antonio. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I wanted to bring in Kitty Wells, an absolute country legend. And the song yeah. is Searching for Someone Like You. And it's very clear why I did this one. I mean, look, like you mentioned, the dunk contest, people declare it dead or alive, whatever. Uh, uh, but the fact of the matter is that we needed that. You know, you and I going into this was like, it seems like a three-point contest was the big thing because that's where the game is going. But dunks are just so cool. <laughs> it is so yeah. cool. And, like, we get so excited. We see John Morant do a dunk or Obi Toppin do a dunk, or, you know, like, or LeBron do a dunk, like it's instant, like catnip for basketball fans. And for anyone who's just interested in watching six, eight men who look like, you know, Roman warriors, like fly through the air and do crazy things, right? Like, it's just cool. So this is what we needed. We needed this. And uh, and I think it, it will spark something for, for a whole generation of young basketball fans, which is exciting because you need that. You need that moment. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's it's. Uh, and for I actually hope it kind of sparks. Mac McClung is kind of hung on on the fringes. He's been good in a couple of straight summer leagues. He plays in the G League, but he's never quite been able to translate his game to the NBA and and get a foothold in there. He's hopefully this gets him a shot somewhere. It gets him whether it's Philadelphia or somewhere else where he can 
at least get a chance, you know, G- give him a, give him a shot to see if he can get his foot in the door and stick. So hopefully for him, it does that. But uh, I like, I like that pick, by the way, I like you going country, going back to your uh, Texas roots, going back to the roots, man. Yeah. And like, I love Kitty Wells. Like that's one thing I, you know, I love Hank Williams. I love Kitty Wells. I like, yeah. I like old school country. So yeah. uh, like, I don't like, like pop country, pop country is hard. Although they do have roaring guitars. Like you, you listen to like rock and roll music. Like to yeah. me, like I think rock and roll is in a tough place. But I do think um, some of the best like like rock and roll solo type of you know guitars, they're all in like country pop music for some yeah. reason. Like, the old country roll. stuff, the old country stuff is really yeah. yeah it's like singer songwriter, like the, like the, they're great storytellers. So anyways, Kitty Wells, it, it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome music, and that's searching for someone like you. The whole basketball world for All Star Weekend was searching for Mac McClung to yeah. do something extraordinary there and he, and he delivered exceeded expectations i will say this though this last thing on the all-star weekend we talked about the best and the worst clearly mac mcclung the best the worst i think was the draft i um oh going back to all like what it's supposed to be like that old beautiful beauty of like like what childhood basketball is that brought to mind middle school of like you know hey you can't sit with us or like, you know, like all the cringy aspects of like what being in high school and middle school was, that's what that was to me. And uh, and I don't think that played out very well. Good idea. I was very excited to see it, but um, I think it was very poorly executed. It, I was not a fan of that. I, yeah, I'm curious how they're going to handle that next year, whether they thought it worked or um, whether they go back to remember They've done it previous years without the people. They've done it on TNT a few nights before rather than in front of the crowd. So. Yeah, and I will say I can't believe Jokic was the second to last one pick. Like this, we're talking about a guy who's a back-to-back MVP and is going down to the wire between Jokic or Laurie Markkinen. And and like to me, that like I just can't even wrap my mind around it. Like this guy's oh, about oh, to become a back-to-back-to-back MVP. And, and the funny thing is, like they got, they asked him about it afterwards, and his quote was, "I wouldn't have picked me either. I'm not made for this game." Like, he's, <laughs> I mean, but it's so classic yoga self-deprecation and that's one of the reasons why we love him but i mean go just, find go, but go right. find uh there's mike singer is the denver beat right uh nuggets beat writer for the denver post scroll back through his twitter feed he ran he took video on his phone at the game he was sitting just down from where i was and posted he it's just video of one minute of Jokic in the all-star game. He doesn't know what to do in a pickup game in an unstructured game like this. He is a chicken with his head cut off, just kind of running in circles, unsure of how to handle himself without structure. It's, it's kind of funny. (laughs) Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney world? Like, Hey, we came to play. Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play at Walt Disney world resort. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Okay, so on to, to more NBA news. The Hawks made a move, Kurt. What can you tell us about uh, this newest move in the Atlanta Hawks organization? Uh, look, there's there's a changing of the guard in the Atlanta power structure, obviously, because if, if you remember, Travis Schlank, the GM, stepped away, let go, um, not around the team right now, uh, months ago, a couple months ago. And now Nate McMillan is out as head coach. Uh, Joe Perny, a uh, longtime assistant, is in. Uh, he'll have the interim tag probably for the rest of the year. I can't imagine, even if they hire a coach, that. I'm going to step in with five games to go. Uh, I don't, you know, I know I don't see that happening. It's probably even if they find somebody. So they are, they're starting their search. Quinn Snyder is at the top of the list. Uh, Kenny Atkinson, uh, Charles Lee, who's a assistant with the Bucks, who's the, their lead assistant are the three big names. We'll see where they go with this. Uh, it's 
kind of be interesting, though, because we've talked about this. The problems with that organization start with roster structure and things above. Like, I feel like Nate McMillan's just, I mean, he's a little old school, and I don't know that he was the answer, but he also wasn't the problem. They signed him to a four-year contract extension. Like, yeah. you know, like, like this is my thing with professional sports that drives me bonkers. Like, I cannot even begin to tell you, Kurt, how, like, frustrating it is. But I think I've said it a million times, and I'll say it again. Time is the most valuable asset in professional sports. This guy came in, and this is like Lloyd Pierce. What's going to happen? He gets fired. Nate McMillan saves him, takes him to the Eastern Conference Finals, yeah. right? And then yeah. it signs a it signs a contract extension. Everyone's like, oh, it's great. He's great, you know, for a young Trey Young. We want to make sure, like, he's going to shepherd him, and this is the perfect move for us. They start getting so excited, and then within a, he only had one full season at the helm, and then his second year he gets fired. Like this is what I mean is like it, it's just so the the memory in professional sports, even within the organization, yeah. is like this, and that's why it like when I see a move like this, it breaks my heart, and it also is very you know indicative of the culture that they have in Atlanta, which is not great. Clearly, like you can't you can't operate a business like this, and but it happens all the time in professional sports. No, and it's it's look part of it is this his relationship with Trey Young wasn't that great. Right. Like part of the problem was Trey Young and Nate McMillan weren't meshing, but so was the fact that uh, this is an expectation thing. Uh, ownership in particular pushed for the DeJounte Murray trade, got the DeJounte Murray trade. They gave up a lot, but they thought that this would be additional or almost exponential, right? Like now we're going to have this backcourt. He's going to fit and this is going to take off and it hasn't fit. And there were concerns apparently mentioned within the organization, certainly outside the organization. There were plenty of people like, is this, is this going to work? Is this, I mean, I thought, I thought it would be kind of, a, I thought it would fit better than it has. It really hasn't. Um, but I don't know that that's like, again, I just don't know that that's on the coach. I think that, that this is, this is a situation where they've got to figure out what they want to do. And I think this figuring out what you want to do there, doesn't that start with is Trey young? Are you building around Trey? Is that is that the plan? And if so, if you truly believe you can build a con- title contender around Trey Young, then I, and does Deshante Murray fit? Does Clint Capella? Like, what are you going to do? Like, I think there's like big questions they have to ask. Themselves. Huge, huge questions. And you have to. So clearly, their decision is yes, we're going to build around Trey. I think that's very clear. But I will say the way that they're moving people around Trey is like the way that they're like uh, Dallas is around Luca, right? The yeah, difference yeah. between Trey and Luca is that Luca came into the league like a champion, right? Like he, he's coming from Europe. Yeah. Like he is the man, like he's the champion. He's doing his thing. And like, he's doing things that we've just never seen before. And so, so I think that Trey is clearly someone who, you know, can grow into being a bona fide superstar. He's shown that talent. He has that. Right. So like, I'm not worried about that perspective, but the thing with Trey is that he's just so young. And I think that's very clear and very evident so it's hard to build a team around someone who doesn't have like a very clear leadership style or who doesn't have, you know, the talent at this moment to supersede the the leadership style. Right. Like if you're going to come in and be like, like, for instance, Luca is so talented that it doesn't really matter that he's kind of younger, I think. Uh, and like I mentioned, he already led some teams to the championships over in. in, in, in he's Spain. also he lifts. The, he does lift the guys up around. I mean, he takes a lot of shots. Don't get me wrong. And there's there's. It feels different when Trey Young pounds the ball out top of the, and, and then jacks up a shot where everybody else is just kind of standing around. Where with Luka, because he's a really elite passer as well, guys do move off the ball. They think they'll get rewarded if they're cutting. Like there is some action within that offense. They needed more around him, and we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll, not, not going to go down the uh, Kyle, Kyle uh, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, Irving road yeah. again, but – even yeah, without him, did. like guys were still moving more than more than they were around Trey, where they're just like oh, he's not going to pass it. Yeah, it, it, but it's funny because yeah, I see I see what you're saying there too. I, I think when I'm looking at this Hawks organization, the amount of moves that they've made in three years is like it's like flabbergasted. I mean, it's like it, it's, yeah. it's 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 shocking beyond you know imagination. Like like you said, they they had John Collins, who like a, you know like you think John Collins would be a pretty good player in the good NBA, player. you know, and it's still like you know what happens? How much time do you give? you would give John Collins to really develop before you put him on the trade block, you know, or like, Hey, like he's on notice. You bring in Clint Capella, you know, you have, you have, um, they had, uh, 
Lou Williams come in and try to like be that instant uh, scorer off the bench. They had in uh, Kevin Herter. You know, like they they've had like yeah. other players around Trey. Then they bring in Dejounte Murray, and I mean that's already like four or five different combinations in the past like two years. So my my point is that that and Bogdanovich like so yeah. I'm kind of worried about this this team as if they're in like a win now mode. They're not like the, the Trey's in his early twenties and he's still trying to figure it out. And I don't understand why ownership and, and the GMs, you know, like why why the front office and ownership are pushing almost like they're in win now mode. Like it's, so that to me is like a clear misunderstanding of where your team at, is at and where your superstars at. And and not like I think that's like a like an absolute um, dumpster fire. And if I was a coach, I said don't even get me anywhere near that because they're only gonna give me well, a year and they're gonna fire me too. That's the question I was just about to pose, which is. Look, they'll obviously look, there's 30 jobs. They're going to get a quality coach. But the first two names I mentioned, Quinn Snyder of uh, formerly last of the jazz where he had them, you know, best team in the NBA, you know, best regular season record in the NBA, a very good team with a distinctive system. Yeah. Shoot threes and defense, but guys moving off the ball, lots of off ball movement, lots of off the ball movement. He's got options. Kenny Atkinson the former Nets coach has options and did this last year. Remember he took the Hornets job and then found out it wasn't going to be quite what he thought it was and pulled back out of it. And he's very happy. I've, I've spoken with him about it. He's happy with being in golden state. His family likes being there. He likes being on Steve Kerr's staff. He likes working around Steph Curry. He's picking his, he's saying basically like, I'm going to, I want to head coach again, but I, I've been through a bad experience. I'm going to, or bad exit. I don't know that the all experience in Brooklyn was bad when he was building it up, but like, I'm going to pick my spot now. Are those guys. Yeah. Are they, yeah. Are they going to go to Atlanta? Or I, I I don't know. I don't know if they are like, I don't know. Like they might take some convincing and, or five years fully guaranteed or something to get them in the door. Yeah. And the way that Atlanta treated their coaches recently around Trey young, it's like, yeah, if it's not working out, we'll cut you mid season. And yeah. I think that's extremely difficult. You know, it's if you're because a coach is a I think at the very, very core level, like what is a coach? You know, this is just to throw some philosophy in here. You know, I got some philosophy books behind me just to like, yeah. you know, like that's my undergraduate training. What is a coach? If you talk to coaches, they see themselves as teachers. Yeah. So it's very difficult because that's that's what motivates them. In addition to winning games and winning championships, a lot of coaches will tell you, you know, it's a grind and it takes a toll and it takes you away from your own family the rewarding aspect of that in addition to all the wins and stuff is developing young men. Right. And, and yeah. the reality is that if you're going to give someone, you're going to sign them on a four-year deal and then only give them, you know, a year and a half to develop young men and then cut them like, you know, if I were them like that, that's a very hard kind of situation. If you are a true coach, you know, and you're at, at this level, like I want to help young men achieve their potential. You're not going to be able to find that in Atlanta, you know, in, in, in at least the last two recent tenures, they're not going to give you time. And that must be very, very, um, you know, that's tough. Yeah. By the way, I think the best example of the coach who really wants to who stayed around and teach is, is your guy, Greg Popovich. Could have, should have walked away when Tim Duncan and, and the rest of that core walked away. But he's actually energized coaching up these young players and, and doing the player development thing and kind of getting back to the roots of it the last couple of years. He's genuinely enjoying himself, even if the losses are piling up, because he's he feels like he's really coaching again. So um, it is funny how, yeah, it is funny how that, that is the case. You know, it's with, it's not every scenario. I think it's very rare. I think, you know, to be able to, to be at a place long enough where you see the entire life cycle of something from building to championship dynasty to rebuild again, you know, so to be yeah. able to experience all phases of that, you know, um, as, as a master and to be able to go back to the rebuilding phase you know, when you've already uh, seen the top of the mountain top, that, that must be like a very rare air that very few people get to experience. Yeah, exactly. At the same time. Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Without having to move once. Um, <laughs> I wanted to move on to uh, discussing the buyout market, but I think we should do that by starting with Corey's jukebox because you actually start with one of the big buyout guys. Yep. Kevin Love. So uh, the song, now we're going from country music. Uh to reggae and just like we went roots in the country like we're going old school kitty wells we got to go old school classic reggae album like this is roots reggae this is the real deal the real stuff you know 
the Abyssinians. So it's one of the, they have one of the greatest roots reggae albums ever made. And one of the songs from that album is called Forward Unto Zion. The whole concept is, you know, let us go. Let us, like, let us go to the land of milk and honey. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of what yes. we saw with Kevin Love. It's like he hasn't been playing a lot and out of the rotation. What's my role going to be? You know, he can still, you know, contribute. Um, and he was one of the only, I think the only, right, uh, mainstay left from that, that championship He was team. the last member of the championship team still on the roster, yes. Yeah, and it's very clear that with Donovan Mitchell and these young players that they know where they're going next. And, and uh, so it seems as though this was one of those elements, you know, the time, I should say, that, hey, let us go to the land of milk and honey. And the land for him, you know, was Miami. And I think it's interesting because if I'm thinking I want to win a championship, Miami's not even close to the top of my list. Um, this is the same thing with Kyle Lowry. Remember, we thought, okay, well, Miami might be there. They might be close. Um, yeah. I don't know if Jimmy Butler has become the player that we thought he might become. And, you know, it's funny because, well, I'm not going to get into that yet. But so Kyle Lowry goes there. Nothing really changes. They actually, I think, get worse. And then now, you know, Kevin Love is going there. And like I said, I don't know if this is like a move to find championships. I don't think that's – I don't know if that's going to be the case. Yeah. I will say two things come to mind, though. One – uh, veterans with championship experience, Udonis Haslam still getting the NBA paycheck. You know, so <laughs> I want to I want to play as long as LeBron James and not put up 28 points a game. Yeah, and he's probably the place to retire, like most of America. Go down to Florida. The second thing is, hey, you know what? Like he just got married recently. You know, like yeah. he's very involved in this. You know, in in kind of like the the uh, the scene. You know, um, him and his wife are. Miami's not a bad place for lifestyle and for content creation. You know, if you're modeling and you're doing, you know, all the the, the high society stuff, Miami is is not a bad place to be. So I think no, it, and and longevity is probably the two reasons why. Yeah, I think the other thing he gets there, uh, if we're just going to jump into the Kevin Love discussion, is he wanted minutes. Like you said, he hadn't played in twelve straight games. He'd fallen out of the rotation. Uh, Miami's starting Caleb Martin at the four, who's done an admirable job, but he'd been coming off the bench last year. They really missed PJ Tucker and Kevin Love isn't PJ Tucker, but he is a guy who, or even earlier this year in Cleveland was contributing, right? Like he can still knock down threes. He is still a very good rebounder and passer and outlet passer uh, who can get them running. And the, the heat just, I think what they could offer were two things, a little more money. They could use their biannual exception. So rather than getting the minimum of, I don't know, whatever Two million and change, whatever the minimum is for uh, Kyle for him right now. The they get him a little over three with the biannual exception, so he gets a little more money. But I think you're, hey, I think it's minutes. I think it's an opportunity. He gets to play there, and I think that that more than anything kind of motivated him. And I think it's honestly, I think the best fit of the buyout calls. And I just, I he's going to play there. He's going to fill a need for them. I'm with you. I think they're. You know what they are? They're going to finish five or six. I don't want to see them in the first round. I really, I yeah, you know, yeah, they always have that ability to scare you because, like, you know, great coach, great ownership, you know, great front office. Jimmy Butler like, brings it in the playoffs. Like he's a different, like he's kind of Kawhi Leonard, where he can kind, of, he does kind of flip the switch and really brings it. So, like, I, I think, think you know, Kawhi Leonard's like Finals MVPs won several times. Well, yeah. So, I mean, but, I, but I do think the, you know, with. With Jimmy, it's funny because, you know, we there are moments, you know, when you look at early in his career, you're like, okay, well, what kind of player is he? You know, is he kind of like the misfit? Like, like you know, like wh- where does he find his, his groove? Then he found it in Miami, and he was kind of like this, you know, rebel cowboy guy uh, who then led them to the finals and thinking, okay, well, is Jimmy Butler actually a franchise player? Did we get this wrong the whole time? And I think now we're kind of starting to see, I think, the, the limits of like, okay, well, where can Jimmy take a team? And, and, you know, and I think that's kind of been the, the argument that's been levied against him his whole career, you know, especially since he's been in Miami. So I don't think he's, in, he's new to that, uh, that argument. But I do think now I think the proof is starting to come out in the pudding. And I don't know if the answer is to a championship. I think we've kind of seen as far as Miami can go. But like you said, they can always upset anybody at any given time, you yeah. know, with, the old, with that, depth of, that depth of experience. And like these guys, like Kyle Lowry has one, you know, like Kevin Love has one, and we we can't forget Kevin Love was a franchise player in the Timberwolves before, you know, willingly accepting a role in Cleveland, which I give him the hats off. Like you playing with Kyrie and 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 LeBron James in his prime, like like to be able to be like that and step into that 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 role is um that's a, 
that's amazing. So, I, you know, I have a lot of respect for him and what he's done in his career. Uh, but, yeah, so a lot of depth. They can definitely upset you. Yeah, definitely. And and I, Kyle Lowry's been kind of the setback there. He just hasn't been the guy they hoped he'd be. But, yeah, like I said, if 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 they can finish in the top six, uh, which I think they can, if assuming the Nets slide a little, although they lost to him uh, right before the break, um, if you finish in the top six, meaning you don't have to face – if you finish seven or eight and you get Milwaukee or Boston in the first round, well, that was nice knowing you. Um, but if they're – like, I don't think they can beat Philly, but, man, they could cause Philly problems. They could cause Cleveland real problems. Like, if you get in that three – you get in that five, six range, it's it's going to be tough. So we'll see where they do. Were there any – we should jump on to uh, maybe I, – I, although I'm curious – I didn't realize how – are you that into reggae? Like, that was a pretty deep pull for me. Like, that's not something I was – not somebody I knew. Like, so – Yes. Just to get back to the jukebox for a second. Yeah. I mean, we got to talk about the, the important thing, roots reggae. Yeah, I'm very into roots reggae. I, that is one of my favorite genres. So samba, okay. choral music, opera, and roots reggae. You know, I, there are a lot of deep cuts. So, like, I, I – um, my arsenal is deep in roots. I, I just think okay. roots reggae to me is like um, – it's one of the, it's just it's just amazing. So yes, the Abyssinians, incredible, um, incredible band for roots reggae. And I was gonna bring up maybe uh, some other band, but I'll keep that in my back pocket, you know, just in case. For, I gotta just keep you on. Future, all right, for cool for future. Yes, yeah, so there's been a lot of other buyouts though, you know. And we talked yeah. about Kevin. You said he, that he'd probably be the best fit, but you know, uh, some other ones that kind of jump out: Pat Beverly, go to the Bulls; Reggie Jackson, Denver. Uh, yeah. So can, can you tell me uh, wh- where are you feeling maybe second, third, fourth about, you know, uh, other yeah. buyers that jump out? I like Reggie Jackson's fine. He'll, he'll be um, Bones Highland really wasn't playing that much. Reggie Jackson will fit in better um, in in uh, Denver behind behind Jamal Murray when he gets healthy. Um, and, and Reggie Jackson's been on the big stage with the Clippers like he's been in play tough playoff games. I like the Patrick Beverly fit in in. Uh, Chicago, just because of the kind of sad news with we're just not going to see Lonzo Ball this year. Uh, he, they've shut him down for the year uh, after he's not fully recovered from a second knee surgery, and he's still got pain when he tries to ramp up. Um, they have a real need at the point guard spot. Um, we've got Io starting. He's kind of a defender. They've got, you know, some Kobe White. Patrick Beverly can come in there and help. Um, so I – I like that pickup. I don't think it moves the needle dramatically, but I think it gives them a little depth at the position. I think the guy we need to talk about, though, the, the head, the, the, maybe the headliner out of the buyout market, Russell Westbrook is a Los Angeles Clipper, Corey. Uh, what do you think of that? You know, you know he's from L.A. Uh, joining the Lakers was a big deal, you know, for him. Uh, you know, that's what he said reportedly. Now being able to stay in L.A. And, and you know, uh, Paul George yeah. has been very vocal recently, like very vocal about playing the opportunity to play again with Russell Westbrook. And Paul George played very well when he was playing alongside Russell Westbrook. Uh, so back in Oklahoma City. Um, so I, I do think, you know, as far as the fit and, you know, like for him personally and, and – the and the chemistry he knows he has with one of the stars and the Clippers, cool, you know, very cool. I I will say, however, I would not have made that move if I was Russell Westbrook personally, because you know we're entering into this move, we're entering into this era for him, which is just very tough. I think Kevin Love will also be in this scenario, um, and John Wall is in it too. You know, you're in this. Yeah. You're a max player. Well, not, not well. I guess Kevin Love wouldn't be in this scenario. But we're talking about John Wall and Russell Westbrook. You're a max player, who then has a buyout, who then becomes a veteran minimum guy for the remainder of your career. Then you follow the NBA. You know, like we saw this happen with like Carmelo Anthony, for instance, right? And then you try to get back into the NBA, and it's basically impossible. Um, so, if I was Russell Westbrook, I probably would have just stayed home and got paid forty something, whatever, the rest of my contract, and just taken the rest of the season off. But I know he, probably, you know, he loves to play basketball. But I, I, um, I, I would not have made this move. Yeah, I, I, going into the trade deadline and talking to Clipper people, talking to Ty Lue was talking about this really openly. Like, hey, you know, what we really need is we could always use more shooting, especially after they traded Luke Kennard away. Like, we could use more shooting. Um, we could definitely use some secondary playmaking. But we need some defense too. We need more defense. And then they went and got Russ. I'm like, well, all right. 
that didn't help your shooting or defense. Like, I'm not sure as much as they, they, first off, the players to a man did want him. It wasn't just Paul George talked about it publicly, but to a man in that locker room, they wanted him. Um, they believe he'll push the pace. He can do some, take some load off of, of George and Kawhi Leonard. And that if he plays within their system, he'll be great. Except there's not really a history of him playing within the system well, Corey. So That's what I say, that was the exact same. That was the same if and you know, that we saw in the Lakers. And there was yeah, no, I exactly. mean, you know, and that, that didn't work. And, you know, the same thing with like the Wizards, like if. And, I mean, so the I mean, yeah. Rockets, like over and over and over again, we keep seeing this. Um, and, and that's kind of what I mean. But the thing is, like, we're talking about, you know, the whole buyout and then the veteran minimum. I will say Russell Westbrook's role, though, I mean, he was playing at like a six man of the year level. You know, like he can still yeah. go out there and he give was you, second in voting last year. That's what I'm saying. Like he can give you 18 and 10. You know, it's just so that 18 and like, yeah. So, my, so I know he can do that. I know he can still play at a very high level. That's not the question. You know, I think the question is more, you know, it's very difficult uh, when you age. And this is something that, you know, I think about a great deal because it's part of my job. And, you know, um, and I read a lot of like <laughs> epic poetry about heroes. And one thing you learn very quickly about heroes is that um, the aging hero is one of the, the most tragic tropes in any type of literature or any yeah, type right. of history. Because you can no longer do what you once did and you, everyone still reveres you. But you in your own mind, you're still 20 and you still are the MVP and you still can do this. But your body tells you, hey, I'm actually 35. You know, yeah. and um, and that that disconnect is maddening. That's where that's the torture of being an aging hero. And we're seeing Russell Westbrook, this guy who can still be very productive, you know, but only a few years ago signed a max deal and only a few years ago was MVP. You know, he's not that same player. Uh, and that's very difficult to watch live. Um, and we're seeing him shift around the NBA. And it's like, you know, what role can I get fit into and what's my value and the public discussions with his agent? Like this whole thing is very it's just. It's very hard to watch, but it happens, you know, it happens every year um, and it happens, you know, just over and over and over and over again. But the aging hero, Kurt, it's very tough. Yeah, exactly. By the way, just to be clear, Kevin Love was second in voting. I'm not sure if that came off. Or it was Kevin Love who was the second in MV six man voting last year. So um, and but I'm Russ will get votes this year. Um, well, we'll see. I mean, depending on what he play, Rowley ends up playing with the Clippers, if he'd stayed with the Lakers, he would have gotten some votes. So. Now it's time uh, for a new segment, Kurt, uh, that our uh, producer Dan came up with. Yes, no, maybe. I'm going to throw uh, just some quick lightning round questions to you, and you tell me yes, no, or maybe. So let's start off. Uh, will the Lakers go on a run and avoid playing as a top six seed? No, I don't think they can. I, they're 13th. I just I can't see them climbing. Although I think they make the playoffs, but I don't think they can climb all the way up to the top six and avoid the plan. I just think they're too far back. It's, it's, it's not just the number of games. Like it's just too many teams to climb over. Yeah. I say no as well. Uh, Joel Embiid, will he do enough to win MVP over Jokic and prevent the three Pete? I think if anybody prevents the three Pete and we'll see, it depends on how bad the wrist thing is, but Giannis, Giannis has been on fire lately. He has been the guy kind of coming hard. I mean, Joel Embiid's in the conversation, certainly, but uh, he's been the guy coming fast. Um, but I will see how much time Giannis misses with that wrist. So yeah. my guess is no. I'll go with another no, but we'll see. Why? What do you yeah. think? I say no as well. I think Jokic becomes um, the fourth player, right? Isn't it Will Chamberlain, yeah. Bill Russell, and Larry Bird to win That's, back, those back, are the three. back MVPs? Yep. I think yep. Jokic is number four. Next, will the Kings stay at a top four team in the West? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that they slipped to fifth just because I think Dallas is not far behind them, and they were going to put up – they're just going to get better. They're going to put up a lot of points. They're not going to score. They're not going to stop anybody. Like, just bet the over in their games. Like, they're not going to stop anybody, but they're going to – they're already scoring points with those two, and as they figure out how to how to mesh a little bit. But you know what really makes them dangerous, Corey? They were terrible when you, when – Doncic was off the floor. Mm. Now you stagger those guys a little and you don't have those horrid minutes and, and it just makes them so much better. Yeah. I'm going to say no as well. Uh, will the Nets fall back and be in the playing tournament? Yes. No, maybe. 
That's a good one. Um, I'm, I'm going to say yes, but I don't, I'm not, I'm, I, boy, I don't feel confident about that one at all. I think the Knicks and the Heat and them are all really, you know, a couple of games. Apart. And then the Nets went and beat on the Wednesday night, like right before, before all-star break, Nets beat the Heat. That was, that was a bad loss for Miami. Um, and a good win for Brooklyn. So maybe they can stay up in the top six, but I just got a feeling they're going to slip enough that those teams get past them, that they, they end up seventh and the Knicks and uh, Heat avoid the, avoid the problems. You know, I'll say, I'll say no. I, I'll I, I'd say that the, the Nets will hold on. You know, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, what, is, Westbrook the missing, is, is Westbrook the missing piece for the Clippers to make the finals? Uh, no. No, I think we covered that. Like, no, you just – I, he doesn't defend. He doesn't shoot. No, he does not solve. He, he doesn't solve their defensive issues or rotation issues. Yeah, I agree. No. Will the Mavs make it work with Luca and Kyrie? Define make it work. Um, like yeah, I, I think they won the championship. So will they win a championship? No, no, they won't win a championship. And I think the interesting question is. Do they still want to be together after this year, or was this end up? Do they end up like I don't think Dallas loses out on everything with him, because anywhere he wants to go, they're going to have to sign and trade him. The teams with the teams with cap space this summer are, you know, or Orlando and Houston and places that that aren't going to be where Kyrie Irving wants to play. Um, so. Dallas will get stuff back, but I'm curious if Luca and if like will will he resign there? Will they be happy at the end of the season? I I genuinely don't know the answer to that. I'm really curious to find out, but I don't. I think they're a top four seed and maybe win around. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna make it work, win a championship. But but out of curiosity, who does take the last shot? If if you are Jason Kidd, you're thinking Luca Kyrie. Who am I drawing to play for? I'm drawing up Luca, but Luca took one the other day and then admitted afterwards he should have passed to Kyrie because Kyrie had the hot hand in that game. Um, but I still think it's – nobody's – I mean, they're both pretty clutch, but Luca's I was going to say the most clutch player in the league, one of the top three up there with uh, Damian Lillard. And, and, and the guy who's probably going to win the clutch player award this year is De'Aaron Fox. So, like, he's yeah. up there with those guys. Uh, so did Golden State play <laughs> – uh, will they actually show up in the playoffs? Do you think they'll – <laughs> do you think Golden State will do do enough? They're sitting at ninth right now in the West. Yeah, they'll make the playoffs. They'll make the playoffs, and in a wide open West, do they shock you if they win around? If they get, if they get, even if they get up to seventh and they get Memphis in the first round, seventh or sixth, and they get Memphis in the first round, can you see them winning that? I mean, their road record is seven and twenty-two. So I'm thinking seven games <laughs> in a playoff. You're going to have to get home court advantage if you want to win around. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was, it's, it's pretty tough, yeah. But I, I think Steph Curry in the playoffs. I, I, I look yeah. if he's healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna see them in the playoffs, and we're gonna see them go. I, I just don't know how far because I do think, I, like I said at, at the beginning of the year, with that whole um, uh, Draymond Green issue. Jordan remember Poole. we were talking before with Jordan Poole, Draymond Green uh, in the locker. Or, sorry, at practice that leaking out to the media. I do think that this is this dynasty is on the down on the decline right now. I think we're watching it break up. Uh, I, so I, I can't tell you how many people I heard over the weekend say that they don't think Draymond Green will be back. With yeah, Golden State next year. I, I, but we, I will say though, I do think that Golden State's not down and out. I think that's the difference is I think Steph Curry, you know, he graduated from Davidson in 09. So just let that sink in for a second. So like this guy has plenty of years left in the NBA. And I do think he's still playing at an extremely high level. It's just that right now, you know, they were able to to weather the, the Kevin Durant storm and come back and win another championship. Um, so I, I definitely think that they can, they're still going to win championships post Draymond Green. I just think that the, the dynasty as we see it right now is on the decline. It's just, it's breaking up. That's my take. Um, next up. Whose team is going to make it further? Uh, do you think Kevin Durant and the Suns will make it further, uh, bring it far in the playoffs, or Kyrie and the, the Mavs in the playoffs? I'll say Kevin Durant and the Suns. On paper, they're the best team in the West. I just I need to see them defend. We talked about this. We need to see them, you know, DeAndre Aiden buy in. But 
I'll still take the Suns. That's that's a stacked roster, and Kevin Durant is instant contender. Yeah, I think the Suns are are better than the Mavs. Uh, actually, yeah, they're better than the Mavs. <laughs> <laughs> I will agree with that. Um, okay, so to wrap it up, we always love to do uh, Mad Libs, um, yep. which is like a fun little segment where we, we kind of just throw something out of the wall and see if it sticks. So let's see if it sticks. Well, give me um, one bold prediction. It doesn't have to be in basketball. It can be whatever you want, you know, for the next couple of weeks yeah. as we approach spring. What do you think is going to uh, is going to happen, you know, uh, the next few weeks? Um, the NBA, before, before the end of March, the NBA and Players Union will announce that they have figured out the CBA for the next, the future CBA, and they're going to let high schoolers back in the league, 18-year-olds back in the NBA. Wow. Yeah, I, the momentum has been building. Yeah, um, I think that that's it. I like that better than Dallas wins two rounds, so I'm going to go with that. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, next couple of weeks, oh, man. it's This one's hard because, you know, I, I'm not really one to be a bold predictor of things. You know, I'm not a very good forecaster. Um, I, I do think this is a thing, though. I, I think that you're going to start seeing – the opera opens up again. I know you love opera. Yeah, no, no, it does. I, the, I, the opera have opens up soon, I think in March. And I do think that we're seeing a renaissance in opera. Um, I resaw um, Philip Glass's Akhenaten, which is one of the best modern operas. If you look at, like, if, if you were to Google top 10 operas, you'll see that eight, maybe nine of the 10, probably eight of the 10 were written uh, between 1780. Yeah. And like 1904, right? There's only like one written in the 20th century that was like worthwhile, worth noting. And that was, well, I would say two. And that'd be like Porgy and Bess, right? And like, yeah. and, and, uh, and Akhenaten. So I think that we're going to see very soon, very soon. I think we're going to see an opera renaissance in this country. And I think it kind of starts, I guess in the world too. I think it starts the next few weeks. I think we're going to start seeing new work come up the forefront. And I think uh, it will reinvigorate the genre. I think new work and younger audiences, right? Yeah. I, I, so this is a Super Bowl prediction. I don't know if it's going to happen in six weeks, but I do think the spring opera season will be worth noting <laughs> if you're into that. Right. I'm actually looking forward to it. Now, and now we'll, we will use the New York Times as the barometer of, of whether you're yeah, a writer or not. It's going gonna, it's gonna <laughs> to happen. Akhenaten was absolutely sold out a couple of years ago. Back, I think that was in 2019. And I, and the Mets doing really interesting stuff, bringing in new composers every fall. Yeah, they are. I think this is a new moment. So anyways, uh, if you want to learn more about what Kurt and his team are up to, why don't you head over to embassysports.com um, slash NBA. Kurt, it's always a pleasure. I'll talk to you next week. Take care, Corey. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, essential central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.